from iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. This is a Slapbox Music Group production. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the second edition of Making an Impact here on the new Wrestling DeLorean podcast channel. I am your host, Mike De Niro. This is brought to you by the Lords of Gotham. And what a show we have for you today. Before we get into it, though, make sure you follow us at the Wrestling DeLorean Pod on Instagram. Make sure you follow at the Lords of Gotham on Instagram. And make sure you follow at SlapboxMG on Instagram. What a show we have for you guys today. We have an episode of Impact, and we're going to be talking about the 2005 edition of Bound for Glory. We're already at a pay-per-view with Impact. We're going fast with this. Yo, shit got real, so let's get into it. We left off last week on the TNA Impact from October 22nd, 2005. This show started out with the Spike TV debut of Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe been around for a while here, maybe about three to four months. And he already made such an impact, no pun intended. Samoa Joe is undefeated at this point. The undefeated Samoan submission machine. He's making his debut here on Spike. He goes against the super talented primetime Elix Skipper, who was an unsung hero at this time in Impact. And one of the forefathers that a lot of people don't talk about when they talk about TNA Originals. Elix Skipper, if you don't know him, I'm sure you know the, the walking on the edge of the steel cage spot that TNA shows in all their highlight videos. That scale into the top of the steel cage into the Hurricanrana. That dude. If you don't know his time in WCW, his time in the early days of TNA, teaming up with Christopher Daniels and Loki as Triple X, he was one of the guys that, like, when I was first getting into Impact, really caught my eye and I was a fan of because I wasn't really too familiar with him from WCW. And when I saw matches with him and, like, AJ Styles in the early Asylum years when I first got into TNA, he was someone I was like, yo, this guy is a superstar. This guy should be on, like... He should be showcased. And he was showcased here. Just not in the right way. Well, let's call it what it is. He got his ass destroyed by Samoa Joe. This was basically a squash match. This was to really get Samoa Joe's name out there. It was done really good. I had no problem with this. Elix Skipper came out with Simon Diamond. He's a part of the Diamond in the Rough faction with Simon Diamond and David Young at the time. Really cool to see Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe in his young years was phenomenal, man. Like, the dude was just a killing machine. And I remember he was must-watch TV every single time he was on TV. He couldn't change the channel because Samoa Joe was just wrecking through guys. Destroying guys. The 
crowd was chanting, Joe's going to kill you. When someone's chanting, Joe's going to kill you, you knew Joe was going to kill you. Nah, uh, to be serious though, this was a fun showcase. Every time, like I said, I seen Samoa Joe, I was always a fan of Samoa Joe, and especially in his young days, especially in this time period where he was undefeated in TNA. TNA really didn't... They, they did a lot wrong in their history, but one thing that they didn't really do wrong was really build Samoa Joe as a legitimate star and threat to every title in that company when he first came in. So, really cool to see him. He gets the victory. Clean victory, fun showcase, fun way to open up this impact. After that, we get a package for, a video package for Christopher Daniels. They are hyping his match with AJ Styles coming up at the pay-per-view, which is literally the next day. Because at the time, TNA Impact was on Saturdays. The pay-per-view was on Sunday, so the next day was the pay-per-view. They're hyping that match up. It's going to be the Iron Man Part 2 against AJ Styles at Bound for Glory. We get an NWA Tag Team title match between AMW and The Naturals. Now, in the early days of TNA, this was the premier tag team feud. These were two homegrown tag teams that TNA really built up. And these guys had it all from the very first Steel Cage match in TNA to the very first Six Sides of Steel in TNA. They tore it down. These guys, all four guys, Andy Douglas, Chase Stevens... Wildcat Chris Harris and the Cowboy James Storm. All these guys had great chemistry. In my opinion, I think the 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 the, 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 the what am I saying? In my opinion, the tag team titles should not have changed hands here on this show. It should have changed hands on the pay per view. But I guess this was their way of hyping up the pay per view because AMW actually defeats the Naturals here with interference from Jeff Jarrett. Interference from Gail Kim and with James Storm hitting Andy Douglas with the beer bottle. They rematched it the next night at Bound for Glory. I don't know why they would have this title match the night before along with the title change the night before and then have the rematch literally a day later. I think you should have just saved the matchup, hype up the matchup, and then have the title change at Bound for Glory. I don't know. But nonetheless, it was a really good matchup. Good to see uh, Gail Kim get in the mix. I was a big fan of AMW, and I am a fan of the Naturals. And it's a shame that these teams, everyone besides Cowboy James Storm, really didn't become the stars that I thought that they would become. The the Wildcat Chris Harris, I thought well, he was the breakout guy in AMW. It turns out that we all know, like, the jokes between, uh, what was it, Braden Walker or whatever when he went to WWE and then he got fat, basically. I don't know what is going on with Chase Stevens and Andy Douglas. I don't know if they retired. I don't know if they're on the indie scene doing their locals. I don't know. But personally, I would, yo, I would love to see TNA Impact today try to bring these guys in now. I know... I know Shay Stevens was, I believe he did some shots with NWA. He looks jacked. The guy looks in good shape. And James Storm just returned to TNA. He's also doing NWA. He was the tag team champions with Eli Drake. I think as of last, well, this past Tuesday, they might have lost those uh, titles to J.R. Kratos or Kratos or Kratos and Aaron Stevens, the former Damian Sandow. I'm not too sure, but... Yeah, I would like to see James Storm do more things with Impact. And I would like to see Chris Harris, like, 
regenerate or revive his career because I always was a fan and something that TNA's been doing lately or Impact Wrestling's been doing lately, they've been bringing back a lot of guys from the past. They brought back Ken Shamrock. Now, if Ken Shamrock could come back and revive his career and then get put in the TNA Hall of Fame, Chris Harris could do it. Andy Douglas could do it. Chase Stevens could do it. I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they retired. I, I'm just like fucking around here. I don't know if they want to stay out of the business. I don't know what it is. But guys like James Storm, Chris Harris, the Naturals, they belong in the TNA Impact Hall of Fame. And it would be really cool to see them come back together because in the early days, they are the backbone of this company along with the X Division. I can't say the tag team division was the only thing because the X Division was revolutionizing the business. But, you gotta keep it real. The matches between AMW and any team that they were in were dream matches. AMW was the premier tag team in TNA from the very start to about 2006. And then James Storm was in another great tag team with Beer Money, but just saying, like, people forget. People forget how good AMW was. People forget how good The Natural was. It was really something like... I don't know. I, I just remember their their cage matches. I was just a big fan. I love this feud. And for most of the feud, the Naturals were the heels. And AMW was the babyfaces. So it was cool to see the change where the Naturals are the babyfaces. They lose the titles dirty to AMW. But I digress. I ain't going to go on a whole tangent about it. I think I already did. I'm not going to go on these long-winded reviews here. Because I got a lot to talk about here. We got Ronda Truth Killings. R-Truth. He's going against Bobby Roode. They're hyping their matchup for Bound for Glory the next night. It's going to be the three live crew versus Team Canada. This was a pretty good matchup. Big win for Bobby Roode getting a victory over a two-time NWA champion in Ronda Truth Killings. Before the main event, Jeff Jarrett was having a backstage interview with Abyss and Monty Brown. And Monty Brown says that he wants a shot at Jeff Jarrett's title. He said he's promised a shot at Jeff Jarrett's title. I'm not exactly sure what happened before TNA came to Spike, but it looked like that some somehow Jeff Jarrett promised Monty Brown a title shot. I don't know if Monty Brown helped him in a situation and he was promised a title shot. But basically, Monty Brown says he's ready to cash in and he wants that title shot. He's top of the food chain. Jeff Jarrett says, you got a lot to do to impress me to get this title shot. He said, if you want a title shot, you got to impress TNA management. So why don't you try doing that tonight? Instead of asking for a title shot, why don't you demand a title shot with your showcase tonight in the ring? So the main event, we got a six-man tag, hyping up Bound for Glory. Monty Brown, Jeff Jarrett, and Abyss versus Lance Hoyt, AJ Styles, and Jeff Hardy. This is a preview to Bound for Glory because we're going to get at Bound for Glory, Lance Hoyt versus Monty Brown. Abyss and Jeff Hardy are participating in the Monsters Ball. And AJ Styles is not in any match with any of these guys, but, you know, why wouldn't you have AJ Styles on this show? So, he's in this too. They're showcasing him before his big Iron Man exhibition title match at Bound for Glory. This was a good match. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. 
starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington for challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court and Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Always love the chemistry between AJ Styles and Jeff Jarrett. I always thought that they had good chemistry with each other. Love seeing the charismatic and great wrestling of Monty Brown. Cool to see a young Lance Hoyt, Lance Archer, for those who don't know, here at this point. I don't know what he was doing with a tramp stamp, but to who's its own, it was 2005. I don't know if that's even an excuse for that. But anyway, yeah, so the ending of the match, it looks like Jeff Jarrett's going to hit AJ Styles with the stroke, but... Before he could do it, Monty Brown hits AJ Styles with the pounce, and then Monty Brown actually gets the victory over AJ Styles, who is the exhibition champion at the time. So, Monty Brown goes into Bound for Glory strong, and that ends the show. Monty Brown is in Jarrett's face. He wants that title shot. The next night, TNA, Bound for Glory, October 23rd, 2005. Let's talk about it. That's what we're doing here today. That's what a lot of people want to hear about. We're going to talk all about it. This, in my opinion, was one of the best TNA pay-per-views of all time. I remember when it happened live, and I watched it, and I was blown away and flabbergasted how I was, like, I don't want, like, I want to give TNA their props, but I remember going to school, and I was a big TNA fan, and everybody was a big WWE fan, and, like, I would be the only one who was watching TNA, and no one really wanted to talk about it, because they were like, oh, that's that, that's that wannabe bootleg WWE. I'm like, nah, man. You gotta check this shit out. It's more than just a six-sided ring. This shit is crazy. But, to Who's the Stone, I remember watching this show and saying, yo, this is the best wrestling on the planet right now. I remember watching Bound for Glory 05 and just being floored. Because I was a fan on and off of the Asylum days. I watched some impacts on Fox Sports Net, but it was really when they came to Spike that I really was like thoroughly introduced to TNA. And it was only four weeks before this big Bound for Glory pay-per-view. And this blew me away. The show opens up in an amazing year-in-review type video package narrated by the legendary, the one and only Barry Scott, who was the voice of TNA pay-per-views and Impact at the time. Rest in peace to the legend. This was like a year-in-review being that Bound for Glory is their WrestleMania show. It is their granddaddy of them all. It is what they fight all year to lead towards. And this was the very first one. So they really was bigging this up like some real big shit. 
the opener of the show, we got Samoa Joe. He comes out with tribal dancers. His family was dancing him to the ring. This shit was awesome, man. The crowd was behind it. You had the Samoan tribal dancers doing their Samoan chants and roars and Samoa Joe dancing along with them. That shit was awesome to see. It added character to Samoa Joe and it added some real, I think, much needed dimensions to Samoa Joe. He wasn't just a guy who beat you up and was undefeated. It added some heritage to Samoa Joe because Samoa Joe was never your stereotypical Samoan wrestler. He wasn't the the barefoot with the face pain and can't speak English guy. He was just a nonchalant ass kicker. But he was proud of his Samoan heritage. And we got that here because we got to see the tribal dance. And I remember seeing this. And I was really like, I love this shit. Like seeing that again was awesome. But. His entrance was won up by the legendary Jushin Thunder Liger. Once that legendary Jushin Thunder Liger theme song hits, shit's about to go down. That crowd popped crazy for that. He comes out. They're explaining how much of a legend Liger is. Liger gets into the ring. They do the the traditional Japanese streamers in the ring. Show, the fans show a lot of respect to both Liger and Samoa Joe here. And they proceed to have an awesome, awesome, awesome opening match up here. This was a dream match at the time. I think they might have mixed it up in a tag match or two in Ring of Honor before this. But they never went one-on-one before this. So seeing this matchup was really awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed it. This was a great, great match. Samoa Joe gets the victory when he hits the Muscle Buster on Jushin Liger. He puts Liger in the Coquina Clutch. Liger passes out. Like I said, great way to opener, great opener, great way to open up the show, start the crowd hot. You had a dream match to start this show. Awesome, 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 awesome. It is announced in the pre-show of this show that Kevin Nash is in the hospital and he's not medically cleared to wrestle tonight in the main event against Jeff Jarrett. So, there is, at this time, nobody facing Jarrett in the main event. We don't know who's going to face Jarrett. Right now, Jerry has the world title and no opponent. But we are promised that there will be a title match tonight. But we just don't know who it is. I know before on the pre-show, people were lobbying for that. We'll talk about that later. People were asking Larry Zbysko, demanding Larry Zbysko a title shot. Larry Zbysko was saying that they'll figure it out. So we'll get into that a little later. We get some footage of FanFest. Really cool to see. They were talking about how fans traveled all over the world to come into the Impact Zone in Orlando, Florida for this show. Really cool. A lot of people traveled from far, far distances, whether it was from England, from New York, from out of country, out of state. People were excited for TNA at the time, and they came all the way to the Impact Zone in Orlando, Florida for this show. Really cool. After this, we get a six-man tag match between the Diamonds and the Rough, Simon Diamond, Elix Skipper, and David Young. Versus Sonny Siaki, Apollo, and Sharkboy. Now, when I saw who was in this match, this match didn't get no hype on TV beforehand. So I thought it was a random six-man. I was like, eh, I'm not really interested in this. But I gotta say, yo, this was fun. This was fun. I really liked Apollo. I thought Apollo looked like a star. He had, he was good, man. Like, he hit some big super kicks. He hit a big flip dive. Sonny Siaki, I always remember Sonny Siaki as... 
uh, wannabe Rock. I remember he was really trying to be like The Rock back in the Asylum days. And he looked like he was like, I don't know, he looked a little bored, disinterested when he came out here. But Shark Boy, he's a cult hero for her TNA, and it was really cool to see him in this matchup. Yeah, I, I was just taken by surprise by how good Apollo was. Like I said, you got uh, ECW legend like Simon Diamond. David Young, I don't know too much about, but like I talked about earlier, Elix Skipper was in this matchup. So this was fun, and I think what made it more fun was I didn't expect it to be fun, so that was pretty cool. Larry Zabisco's backstage. He says the number one contender will be named tonight. They show in the pre-show, Raven saying that he demands a title shot. Rhino comes out. Rhino gets... Well, first, Zabisco tells Raven no. Raven gets in Zabisco's face. He starts choking him out. Rhino comes out. He says, what happened to the old Raven? A couple years ago, you crucified a man. A couple years ago, you stole a man's family and loved every second of it. But you're just acting like a little whiny bitch right now. He said that... I What is it, Raven? Is it a girl... Is there a girl in your head right now? Is there a girl getting in your head? I don't know what they're implying here. I don't know if Raven was just recently married at the time, but as soon as he said this, Raven flipped out. He starts choking Rhino. They get into a brawl. They get pulled apart. Raven has a flock. Uh, I was about to say flocky. <laughs> Someone in Raven's flock, a flunky here. I think his name was uh, Cassidy Riley. He was there, he was dressed up like Raven, he was in the ring, and he got torn in half with a gore, gore, gore. <laughs> yeah, so that was on the pre-show, they showed the footage of that here. Then they cut to backstage, Jeff Jarrett saying, well, Jeff Jarrett has a uh, backstage interview with Shane Douglas. He says he doesn't care who it is. He says you could put anybody in the ring with him, it doesn't matter. He said if it's Rhino, screw Rhino. Jeff Jarrett, screw no, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Hardy. Screw Jeff Hardy. Sabu. Screw Sabu. Screw Raven. He doesn't care. But then Monty Brown comes into the picture. He gets in his face and he says, say it. Say it. Screw Monty Brown. You ain't going to say it because I'm the top of the food chain here and I want that title shot. He was demanding a title shot. And personally, if they went with Monty Brown versus Jeff Jarrett, I would have loved that. I know these guys had some matches in the past. I believe it was... I... Don't want to be quoted on this, but I believe it was Against All Odds 2004 where Monty Brown had a title shot in the main event. It was supposed to be uh, Diamond Dallas, I believe, but Monty Brown was kind of like this. Diamond Dallas didn't make it. Monty Brown was the replacement. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington for challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. 
Listen to Supreme, The Battle for Row on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. And they tore it up. They had a great match. Great chemistry between these two, too. They also had a great match on Fox Sports Net in the main event a couple, like, months ago. And like I said, it was a great, great matchup. And I would have liked to see this match. So I thought maybe that's where they were going with it. But I guess we got to wait and see what the decision is on the main event. Because right now we still don't know. But Jeff Jarrett said that he got... Monty Brown needs to go worry about Lance Hoyt. Because Lance Hoyt's in the ring. He's a pissed, t- he's a pissed off, ticked off Texan. I believe that's what he said. <laughs> Which is funny. If you pissed off, ticked off, whatever. But he said that you need to worry about Lance Hoyt instead of worrying about me. Go worry about Lance Hoyt and see if you can impress TNA management because I don't make the decisions here. You got to impress them. So then that cuts to the next matchup here on Bound for Glory 05. We get Lance Hoyt versus Monty Brown. These two had a fun matchup. I, I Like I've been talking about for the last week, I, I am a fan of Monty Brown. I miss him in the industry. I always was a big fan of Monty Brown. I like Lance Hoyt. He's really came into his own now as Lance Archer in New Japan and in AEW, but even here, he was pretty good, and these guys had good chemistry, so I enjoyed this matchup. It wasn't excellent by any means, but it was a fun matchup. I I did enjoy it. Monty Brown picks up the win, by the way. He hits the pounce on Lance Hoyt. Pretty good matchup. I, I should be giving these star ratings, right? I should be giving these star ratings. All right, so let's go to the star ratings. Five out of five stars... Samoa Joe versus uh, Jushin Liger. I give that three and a half. It was really fun. The Diamonds in the Rough, Sunny Siaki, Apollo, Sharkboy match. It was fun. I give it two and a half out of five. The uh, Then we got the Monty Brown, Lance Hoyt match. I'll give that two. Two stars. After this, we got a three live crew promo. They're ready for tonight's matchup against Team Canada. Kip James says he has their back. But Conan and BG James said that it's a good idea. R-Truth says that's a good idea, but Conan doesn't want no part of it. He does not trust Kip James. He doesn't want no part of it. So he says, to me, you're nothing but a bitch. And Kip James is like, whatever, man, I offered. This cuts to Team Canada, Bobby Roode, Eric Young, and Big A1 versus BG James, Ron the Truth Killings, and Conan. Really good matchup. Another really fun matchup. Great to see all these guys work. Great to see guys, future big stars like like Bobby Roode, like Eric Young. Great to see R-Truth. Was always a fan of R-Truth, especially in this time period in TNA. Always thought he was very underrated. Always was a fan of BG James. And for some reason, I can't get enough Conan. I don't know what it is. But, yeah, it was a, it was a good matchup. I'm going to give it two and a half stars. Team Canada gets the win. Bobby Roode breaks a hockey stick over BG James' head. After the match, they continue to beat down 3-0-K. 
Kip James comes out with a chair. He goes to make the save. It looks like he's going to hit Conan with the chair, but then he turns around and hits Bobby Roode with the... Oh, A1 with the chair. Then him and Conan kind of show each other some respect. So it looks like they're actually going to be really cool. Larry Zabisco is backstage. He says he still doesn't know what's going on tonight. He doesn't know what to do. Shane Douglas wants answers. He says, come on, you got to give the crowd answers. It's not fair to Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett deserves answers. He says... Shane Douglas would be the first to know when he knows, when he figures it out, and when he talks to the TNA Championship Committee. After this, we get Ultimate X. This matchup was hyped up for many weeks on Impact. Building up to this Ultimate X match, it was the return of the high-risk, high-wired extravaganza that made TNA unique, a match that only they could pull off. And we get it here on this Bound for Glory show. It was Matt Bentley along with Tracy Brooks versus Chris Sabin. Versus P.D. Williams with Scott D'Amour. Now, this match has some crazy-ass spots. Real crazy spots. And all three guys busted their ass. But there was issues on, I guess, the production side. Because the X that was hanging from the Ultimate X that they had to capture for the number one contendership. It wasn't fully placed up there. It was loose. So, all match, it was just dangling there. And it looked like it was about to fall. And then after a high spot between Matt Bentley and Chris Sabin from the ropes, or from the Ultimate X structure, the X actually fell. So here they are supposed to go capture the X and shimmy their asses on a fucking high wire to go get an X that just falls in the fucking ring. So this looked bad. Like, as great as this match was, that looked bad. And then when they put it back up there, because they took time to put it back up there, and they restarted the match, that shit fell again. And this time it landed in P. Williams' arms, and this you can't tell me that this was the planned finish for the night, because everyone looked pissed off. The crowd was chaining bullshit. P. D. Williams even looked like, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Like, this is not expected. I don't even know if P. D. Williams was supposed to win. But... That's not how the finish was supposed to be, and it just looked bad. So, great match was hurt badly by a pretty lame finish. It, I don't know, man. This was piss poor. They did announce that they are going to rematch Ultimate X and do it on Impact, but like, it just looks bad that you have to redo the match because you're poor production of it. I, I don't know. This left a bad taste in my mouth, not for the whole show, but I was really excited for this Ultimate X match, and I forget that it was such a lame finish to it. Because, like I said, this match makes TNA unique. And this is the first time on the broad audience that are actually watching this Ultimate X match for the first time. And you're over here promoting it as this big thing. And, like, to get to the ropes, it's some hard thing to shimmy over to go get the X. And you have to fight off people. And you have to make sure your hands don't slip. And here we are. The finish ends with the X just falling right into Petey Williams' arms. Like, that was lame. Anyway, here we get the rematch. Oh, by the way, I'll give that. That shit hurt the match rating, in my opinion. I'm going to give that shit 2.5. We got AMW versus The Naturals. A rematch from last night. A, this is a tag team title match. Another really good matchup. This match was actually wrestled like a real grudge matchup. And I think maybe that's why they did the match the night before. To really give this match a lot of story heading into the Bound for Glory. Because these guys all wrestled like a bit. It had a big match feel. And it all seemed like they all hated each other. So 
it seemed like a real grudge match. A lot of violence. A lot of blood in this matchup. You got Andy Douglas getting just nailed with the beer bottle. Or Chase Stevens got nailed with the beer bottle with Andy Douglas' handcuffed to a guardrail. He gets hit with a chair over the head, unprotected. He can't really put his hands up. He's handcuffed. This shit was just violent. Real violent. AMW gets the victory. Like I said, in my opinion, I would have saved this matchup for this pay-per-view and I wouldn't have done it the night before. The title change was done the night before. I would have had the title change here. It would have been more impactful, no pun intended. That's just my opinion. But really good matchup. I'm giving that 3 out of 5. Really good matchup. After this, this is where the show really, really, really turns up because it gets taken to the next level here. Up next on the show, we get Monsters Ball 2. Jeff Hardy versus Sabu versus Abyss versus Rhino. This was absolutely amazing. First of all, before the matchup, we get a really good promo by Father James Mitchell. Really bigging up Abyss here. Really making him sound like he's going to go out there and kill, slaughter, and destroy. Rhino was hype. Well, Rhino been build building up on impact. He looks like he's about to go for war. Jeff Hardy here, he's Jeff Hardy, and Sabu is a freaking maniac, so this match is going to be awesome. And, yeah, man, like, too many crazy spots to talk about. I can only talk about some here. From the jump, Sabu's busted open over his eye. He gets thrown through tables. They're fighting in the crowd. Jeff Hardy is just insane here. He, he freaking... Takes Abyss by the entranceway. He beats him up, puts him up on the table, climbs a ladder onto the Titantron area, the entranceway, then climbs up even, even higher. And this is one of the most memorable. Yeah, this is one of the most memorable spots in TNA history. Here, he hits what was an absolute insane Swanton bomb from at least thirty feet up in the air onto Abyss through two tables. Freaking insane. To quote Don West, freaking insane. That was just crazy, man. Like, protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics? Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. 
Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. I don't know. That was even the finish of the freaking matchup. Rhino with Gores Galore. Gores Galore. <laughs> Rhino with Gores. He hits Abyss with a Gore through a table. Jeff Hardy's back in the ring. Him and Sabu are fighting. Sabu gets power slammed to the outside. Stomach first through a table. Just absolutely vicious. Rhino beats up Jeff Hardy. Takes him to the middle rope and hits him with a middle rope pile driver. Absolutely devastating. Looked like Jeff Hardy broke his freaking neck on this. Insane matchup. Rhino gets the victory. This is a big, big win for Rhino. Really, really big. Like I said, man. Like, yo. That was that was just one hell of a matchup. Absolutely crazy, man. I'm giving that shit four and a half stars. That tore the freaking roof off the place. And then after the roof was torn off the place, Jeff Hardy jumped off it. Let's just say. It was absolutely insane. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this matchup. After this, it is announced that there will be a 10-man gauntlet tonight. With 10 guys who actually wrestled on the show already. And the winner of that 10-man gauntlet will go against Jeff Jarrett for the NWA World Heavyweight Champion in the main event. So, whoever wins that gauntlet would have to face Jeff Jarrett in their third match of the night. Because it's only for wrestlers who actually wrestled on the show. Which is absolutely insane. So, that's later on tonight. We get... Now we get AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels in Iron Man 2. This was a 30-minute Iron Man that was just absolutely insane. They did not have any slow spots. From the moment the match started, Christopher Daniels jumps AJ Styles. Both guys are hitting the greatest hits. AJ Styles hitting the Pele, a crazy Pele. Phenomenal flip dive. Christopher Daniels with the Blue Thunder driver, the Mishinoku driver, Crazy Arabian Moonsault to the outside. Just back and forth action. Uh, the, they hit their best moveset. Well, the greatest hits of their moveset in this matchup. And like I said, not one time of the 30 minutes was there a dull spot or a slow spot or a cooler or a rest hold. They just went balls to the wall for a half hour and this shit was insane. Not only was it insane, but it was an Iron Man match with no falls. Because... It came down to the last couple seconds of the matchup. AJ Styles with 10 seconds left. He hits the Styles Clash and gets the victory with only 2 seconds to spare in the matchup for the only fall of the match and to regain the X Division Champion here. Like I said, like this just... After Monsters Ball, you had this matchup? Insane, man. This matchup is another 4.5 star matchup. And not for the reasons that Monster Balls was... Monster's Balls? What the fuck? Monster Ball was... Because Monster Ball was a matchup of just... Insane, I guess... Crazy hardcore spots. With insane dives and just craziness. Where this was a match of just technical prowess and great action. Like, two great matches back-to-back for different reasons. And you just had... This really was, like I said, where the pay-per-view really started to pick up. After this, we get the 10-man gauntlet matchup. The first entrance is Samoa Joe. He comes out. Second entrance is Ronda Truth Killings. R-Truth is here. He's mocking Samoa Joe's heritage while like mocking the dance that Samoa Joe did earlier in the night. 
Samoa Joe takes great offense to this. They start brawling. Sabu enters the ring. He's a part of it. Lance Hoyt. Abyss. Abyss comes in. He has a stare down with Samoa Joe. Crowd goes crazy. At that time, they never were in the ring together. So it was really cool for the people in the live attendance, as well as the people watching from home, to see a stare down and a bit of a exchange between Samoa Joe and Abyss. R-Truth breaks it up. Jeff Hardy's in the match, which is insane that he's even standing up straight after that freaking 30-foot dive and after that pile driver from the second rope. Crazy that anybody from Monster Bits Ball is in this match. Because my... Like I said, for the people who know, I still haven't got my tooth fixed. So, if I'm... Trying to, like, if I have a heavy lisp here, I apologize. You know that's not how I usually sound. But on top of that, I don't know why every time, because of the lisp that I currently have from the accident that I had, every time I say Monster's Ball, it comes out as Monster's Balls. And <laughs> that just sounds horrible. So anyway, Jeff Hardy's in this. Anyone from Monster's Ball being in this is absolutely crazy. Monty Brown comes here, and I thought this is how you really build Monty Brown to get that title shot tonight. Monty Brown is only in the ring for like two freaking seconds. He comes in, he pounces Sabu, and then Monty Brown is standing by the ropes and Jeff Hardy takes him out. But Jeff Hardy didn't really take him out. He clotheslines him, he gets eliminated himself, and I guess the spot was for Monty Brown to get eliminated with him, but it didn't happen in time. So what Monty Brown did was a half-ass jumping over the top rope and eliminating himself accidentally to make it look like Jeff Hardy eliminated him. It was a little lame, and especially someone that you've been really building up as this could possibly be the guy to go against Jeff Jarrett, getting eliminated. I think he was the first elimination of the night. And not only that, but he was only in the ring for like two freaking minutes. I don't know. I don't know. I think that he could have at least made it to the final two. It would have been a lot more believable. But anyway, Rhino comes out. Kip James comes out. And then the last entrant is AJ Styles, who literally just wrestled a 30-man Iron Man match. He's limping to the ring. All these guys are, besides Kip James, Kip James is the only one who didn't have a matchup tonight. Everyone else is just in, they're just battered and just going through the motions, trying to just make it through the night. It comes down to Abyss and Rhino, and Rhino picks up the victory here. Rhino now not only won Monsters Ball, he wins the 10-man gauntlet battle royal. He's now a number one contender, but he has no time to rest because as soon as he wins, Jeff Jarrett is coming out. Tito Ortiz is out. He's the special referee. Jeff Jarrett versus Rhino. Main event time, and he's just absolutely decimating Rhino. He hits Rhino with the guitar. He's beating him down, just taking him out. Uh, AMW tries to make the save. Well, Rhino starts to fight back. He gets to his feet. AMW tries to make an uh, interference here, and Tito Ortiz knocks out both James Storm and Chris Harris. Then Gail Kim tries to make an interference. She dives. Tito Ortiz catches her. As he catches her, he's walking her out of the ring. Jeff Jerry picks up another guitar. He smashes Rhino again with the guitar. So that's already two guitar shots. Rhino kicks out, gets up. Jeff Jarrett with a third guitar here. Picks it up. Goes to swing it. Misses. Rhino hits Jeff Jarrett with the gore. One, two, three. What a massive, massive victory and night for Rhino here. He wins three matches. Monsters Ball. The 10-man gauntlet. 
and he beats Jeff Jarrett in the main event here. He's the new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. This was absolutely special. After this, A&W and Jeff Jarrett don't give Rhino time to celebrate. They start putting the boots to him. They start beating him down. Team Canada comes out. They start, they join in the brawl. Now it's like at least seven on one. The three live crew come out. They try to fight off Team Canada. They start battling it out, but they're still outnumbered. Three live crew, they start getting beat down. Jeff Jarrett pulls out a casket here because he said there was going to be a funeral for Kevin Nash. But no matter what, if Kevin Nash is here or not, that funeral was going to happen for whoever his opponent was. He brings out a casket. They place Rhino in the casket. They beat down three live crew. Right While Rhino's in the casket, Jeff Jarrett stands on top of it. He's holding up the title when Planet Jarrett is celebrating in the ring. And then we get the music of Team 3D. Team 3D, they return here to a massive, massive pop. Huge here. They come out. They start brawling with Team Canada, with AMW, with Jeff Jarrett. Three Life Crew get back to their feet. They start brawling it out with them. Rhino gets out the casket. He takes out Jarrett. Really, really cool. The baby faces stand tall as the heels retreat. Rhino gores. Oh no, Team 3D hits Eric Young with the 3D. They throw him in the casket. Rhino stomps on top of the casket. He raises his hand in victory. He holds up the NWA world title. That's how the show goes off the air with the baby faces on top. Really, really, really fun ending here. Really big night for Rhino. Three victories in one night. Monsters Ball, a 10-man gauntlet, and the victory in the main event to become the new NWA world heavyweight champion. This I'm going to rate the gauntlet with the main event as one matchup since it happened so simultaneously and was kind of a connection so that whole segment together, I'm going to give that four point, uh, I don't know. I'm going to give that four and three quarter stars because that was just, that was just one hell of a segment and one hell of a moment for Rhino. Big moment. That crowd was going crazy. We got the return of Team 3D. Overall, this show was absolutely fantastic. I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. I can't say that enough. I give Bound for Glory... A 4.5 out of 5. They did very little wrong here. The pros were definitely the Monsters Ball, the Iron Man match, the Gauntlet, the main event. The cons here were that we didn't really know who was in the main event until about the last 30 minutes of the show. And that's pretty much it. There was very little wrong with this show. The Ultimate X was definitely a con on the show because it definitely had a lame finish. And that was a match that was really built up towards. But besides that, Ultimate X was the only bad thing. But besides that, this show was absolutely fantastic. So, thank you very much for everybody who tuned in. Thank you for checking it out. If you have time, go ahead and go out of your way to watch this show. Because this show is absolutely fantastic, like I said. Make sure you tune in tomorrow for Brand Supremacy. Because we have another pay-per-view on board we're going to be talking about Backlash 2002. Big, big show. Hulk Hogan versus Triple H. Co-main event, Stone Cold versus Undertaker. How much bigger can you get than that? Make sure you check that out tomorrow on the Wrestling DeLorean podcast. Brand Supremacy tomorrow. This is Making an Impact. Mike De Niro signing out. Take care.
From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 